Welcome to the Balanced Man Podcast with your host, Ernie Harrison. We have five pillars in our lives that need balance. Spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Join us as we interview pros in these areas to help us gain wisdom, pass that wisdom on, and leave a legacy for future generations. Hey, this is Ernie Harrison, the host of the Bounce Man Podcast. Today, I'm with Steve Wood. Steve is a musician by night, and uh, what you say you did by day? You do a, a audio video? Yeah, I'm audio video editor for an in-house marketing team in Raleigh. Yeah, so Steve uh, is, a, is a, we have mutual friends with CJ, CJ Ortiz. If you check back at uh, some previous podcasts, you'll find CJ and I have heard about Steve through him and really enjoy his music. And uh, if you're into the into the 90s classic, like I am, and you know, you love that kind of thing, check out Steve's music on Spotify. It's under Stephen Wood with a, with a V, Stephen Wood on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all the, all the above. And we're here because I'm finding men who have admirable qualities that I admire and that go with the balanced man aspect. We're looking at physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial areas where most of us all fall short. But when we do find balance in those areas, it, life seems to go much smoother. Absolutely. And you got a little wisdom on you too. So you're probably around my age, a little older. But we, you know, I'm doing this because I want, basically, you know, I want young men and men yeah. in general, to hear it and just to glean some wisdom from it. You know, we, we're all human beings and there's an issue out there I have with real men not being open with That's their right. failures and success too, but you yeah. know, overnight. I think we're in a society where we see, we see actually some really hungry younger guys One that they realize they can do it. We have much more resource now than yeah. you and I had as kids. Even like me with playing music, I mean, I was young. If I had YouTube to look up and figure out how to play the guitar part versus me taking the needle, put it on a on record player, hearing it, playing it over and over and over again, taking off the needle, try to play it, and then put it back on, listen to that intro, you know, 150 times versus looking up on YouTube, the guy can tell you exactly where to put your fingers also. That's not cheating. That's just you got a teacher right at your fingertips, like your keyboard, yeah. and you can learn it so quick, but also with business. I mean, a guy can, if nothing else, he motivates these younger guys to, to take the steps. He may not teach them exactly what to do every little step, but yeah, man, it's, uh, we live in some good times and we also have the other types of younger men that are not balanced. They are, uh, they're looking for handouts. They feel entitled. You know, we talking about, we was talking earlier about the condition of the church and I think in just in the community at large, I've always, I've always said that if, if these, whether it's government or church related, if they would concentrate on the men and raise up, you know, strong leadership, right leadership, everything else falls in place. A lot of times you see young people strung out on all kinds of different things, not just drugs, but all kinds of different paths. I'm just a type eight, nine times out of 10, it goes back to the father figure in the home. It can relate to the mother as well, but Man, it's such an impact that a man that has that agape love and also a bulldog leadership can make a big impact and difference. You know, it's cool that you're doing this, man. Kudos hey, to you. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I had a, you know, I, I love my father. You know, I, I speak about him a lot in these things. But he had a huge impact on my life just because of, not that he wasn't a good man when he was, when he was sober, man. He was, he was an awesome guy. He'd do anything for anybody. But when he was drinking... And that, that Jekyll and Hyde, it changed the personality and who he was. And, 
and the stuff that he dealt with, just low self-esteem and didn't know how to build me up. Yeah, it's it's funny how that happens. It's it's odd you, you bring that up because CJ and I were we actually met for a couple of drinks and we were talking about how how alcohol does that to people. It brings out like if I get happy on a, on a on a beer, if I if I get any kind of feeling on a beer, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be mean or or get all sarcastic and stuff. And and I think people allow that guard to come down and you see a little bit of history what they've gone through and see what they've actually will demons that they fight but yeah i know and then sometimes it's chemical i mean sometimes people you know like your dad he it might have been pure chemical that his body just whacked out when had yeah. alcohol to a certain to a large degree but it's still painful i'm sure seeing that as a young kid yeah well you can't fully grasp the psychology behind it when you're a child you just don't have enough life behind you to see it and as i've gotten older and i have been through counseling and married myself and have children. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw that you know, he had a mother who was very controlling and uh, he was the only son that his older brother had died. So he was the only son left. And there was uh, five sisters along with that. And there was a lot of pressure put on him to, you know, his dad died, I think, the year I was born. So mm-hmm. he had a lot of things around him, put pressure on him. And then my sister was born handicapped. She had spinal bifida, so she was paralyzed. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he just, he had a lot of depression. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just you want to forget everything. You know, they resort to, to alcohol to try to forget those problems. But the bad thing is, is you don't know what you do while you're intoxicated. And they're worse when you come out of it, you know. But, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, my dad, my dad passed away in November of last year from COVID. But, you know, sorry. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. He, but he had, when he was, in diapers, his his dad and mom split up, and uh, usually it's the mom that takes the kids. But it was this way; it was it's the opposite. His daddy took care of him and his brother, and then after, after that, so I'm trying to try to keep up with them. I got an aunt or two that's my about my same age. It's funny, yeah. but that that really affected him, man, because he didn't hear from her until he was like about 19 and 20 years old, and she was in his life a little bit at that time frame, and then she dropped off the map again, and it. It did affect him. It makes somebody wonder, why was I good enough? All yeah. those things, you know. Same goes for the daughter with the father relationship. Because if you think about it, that's for the daughter. That's her first man love. Mm-hmm. And for the and for the son, it's the first woman he loved. It's a very powerful concept there, but it's also very true. I remember a story my mom told me one time that uh, she brought my younger brother home from the hospital. I actually had him. I was next to her, and she, she was holding him, and she looked over, and she said, how you like your new little brother? And I just like, I was sitting right here. And I just, I, I just fell to the side of the, of the couch and I started crying and whatnot. <laughs> so it was basically my way of saying, I don't like it. It was just yeah. me before him, you know? So I think the reason why it makes such a big impact, man, is the greatest institution on the face of this earth is the family. And when that messes up, dude, it does a good world in the mind and the heart of the person that's affected by it. Divorce man has a huge impact on children and it comes out so many other ways when they get older and until they seek therapy or look at it through the psychology aspect of it they'll never figure it out and they'll keep doing the same thing over and over again sabotaging relationships sabotaging life and that's where i get this these five things from is that the uh, the spiritual physical emotional you know financial mental aspects of it is that number one for me is that if i'm not right with god you know as a as a christian you know i'm in the word daily you know, it's, it's a meal for me. You know, I have to have it. And if I'm not in it, then it affects me in all those other aspects. 
It affects me physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, financially, I make stupid mistakes financially because I'm not reading what I, you know, and in the word. What happens is you resort to the flesh, right? Instead of dying to self, you resort Mm -hmm. to the flesh and all the other things are fleshly except for the spiritual. So, and that's why I want to encourage people in this aspect too, because I think I read, was your dad a preacher? Yeah, my dad was a, a, a pastor. Well, he evangelized for a number of years. I used uh-huh. to travel with him and play the piano and sing. And then he started pastoring. He was pastoring his first church when I when I left the house. I went on the road with different different gospel groups and whatnot. Yeah, he was a he's, he was a pastor. And then he he had he done that. He had three or four different churches he pastored. Then he went back evangelizing. He ended up back in Indiana. I'm originally from Indiana. But yeah, he was he was a man of faith. He he like I tell everyone that I'm telling CJ today that you know. The whole thing about the Bible, man, we, we, we work off principles, godly principles. It has nothing to do with how perfect we are. But yeah. those principles still work. I mean, even the heathen out there, a lot of times are working off of biblical principles that work. They just don't know it. But my dad, he knew he wasn't, which we are, we all are, you know, to pray from the heart standpoint. But he was a man of faith, man. He, he truly believed God could come through. And he believed that way. And he also encouraged others that way. And uh, that's one thing that I, it's a heritage. I'm grateful that I have that. Sure. There's things that we d- disagreed on in scriptures and stuff like that, but it was not enough for us to sit there and argue about and part ways over. It's not, that's not the point of the gospel. You know, thank God for a great daddy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, there's a, there's a, verse in the Bible that talks about, you know, it's what I hung on to. It says, God is a father to the fatherless. Not that I was fatherless by any means. I, you know, my father you know, did the best I think he could. There was some wisdom there that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to, you know, glean from him in, in certain aspects, especially spiritual wise. You know, finding God really changed the course of my life. You know, you know Ernie, I find that people like yourself that has been a little challenged in that area because of the, of the just a little things that your dad wasn't there for you on. It seems like guys like yourself rely more on God like we all should. Someone asked me the other day about what's the closest I ever felt to God. And typically, man, is when I was like feeling alone, feeling like I was, I was a failure. That's for some reason, man, it seems like you can almost tangibly feel God in the room, not telling you that your circumstance is not real, not telling you that or telling you're a failure. The total opposite is like, why would, you know, almost you ask yourself the question, why would he show up in these times? Why wouldn't I feel him in when I feel good? But it's kind of like God saying, I'm here in every time. And it's really cool though. There's so many testimonies and stories of people like yourself that, that God fills in the gaps where we didn't have the resource. And, and I have faith that God's with me at all times, but I, I hear more from God when I'm at the end of myself, when I come to the end of myself and I feel like a failure or, if, you know, something's happened that's way out of my control, that's when I hear that whisper. You know, that's when I hear that still small voice of God saying, hey, you know, look where you are. You know, yeah. there, there's no depth that you can go to that I can't get you out of, you know, just nope. trust me. No, it's, you're right. And a lot of people have been through divorces and sicknesses and everything else. They'll all tell you at some point in that journey that they have felt, you know, a supernatural presence thicker than normal of the presence of God. I just call it it's just like God to do something like that, man. So he's yeah. faithful. But since I was younger, I've kind of, well, I don't know why I prayed this. I do know why, but sometimes I kick myself. I, I, don't, <laughs> want, I don't want too much success or too much money. 
those two mm-hmm. things tend to draw me away from God, you know. And so I know why I pray that, but man, sometimes I could use more money. <laughs> we all can use more money. All we end up doing is buying more more toys and stuff, you know. I know. But, Worthless stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I I remember Paul said in, in in a passage that he's he's had money. Apostle Paul said he's had money and he's not had money. In the way he he was kind of bragging on his contentment. And yeah. I have a little bit of that to where, yeah, I don't want to, I want to pay my bills. And I would like to have some money to do, do things with, but I really, I think maybe possibly contentment is a gift that God gives. I think that everyone can learn to go that way, but I, I just don't desire to have some $5 million home. And, but I, I would like, like I said, I would never, everyone likes money. It's, it's, but the thing I think we should realize is that all good things come from God, and that we just have to realize which one's good and which one's not so good. I look at it as kind of like the uh, Captain America that that sermon they give him. You know, whatever character you have is what is going to excel like when they give it to you. You know, if you're if you're a humble, good person, it's just gonna make you better. But if you're a greedy angry person is going to make you worse, you know, and the same with money, right? You know, you've got to, if you got to be, if you have God and you're in the word and you know what's right, you know, you know, it's, it's his and he's given it and it's not yours to hoard and keep. No, you're right. And I, you know, times I used to live in Nashville in the nineties. It was the heyday of country music and I had some responsibilities, fatherly responsibilities. And, and I just had to make a choice that it was tough at the time, try to do music. I was doing music full time and was, I had to make a choice between that and taking care of my family. And I made the choice to move back to North Carolina and get a job and, and try to take care of the family. And there was many years, man. Actually, I would dream a couple of times, maybe three times a year for 10 years or more about moving back to Nashville. And in my dream, I'd be, I'd be crying because I was really desiring. And then I started to, I think, I'm sure it's God that started to show me that the choices we make really a lot of times is not by desperate action, but down deep is probably we made those choices because we really knew what we wanted. For instance, to make it Nashville at the time and, and when I was living there, it'd be nothing to have 16, 18 hours a day in a studio, you know, producing and recording. And I, I have, I have, I, I love my boys. I have four sons. I love them just like they were two years old, even today. They're all hmm. grown up and doing their own thing and married, have kids. And God knows, I, I, I really do feel I have a fatherly, I don't know if you heard the word anointing, but it's, it's, it's like a call. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm good. It doesn't mean I'm the best at it. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you feel that call and you keep continue to keep on trying to be better. But I do believe that that was the bigger call than the music on my life. What's funny about it is my mom and dad always thought Steve, he'll never get married because he's so ate up with music. He'll he'll probably just be single and, and try to go into the music business and do that. And uh, But I think things in life can change, and, and, and it's a matter of, of a split second sometimes. You meet certain people, and but God begins to soften your heart and showing you what was your want versus his desires. When you, when you read in scripture, it talks about he'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll give you the desires you thought you wanted. But close you to get to God, your desires change. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. The focus changes. So, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's living vulnerable to God's will. And sometimes God's will is the closest thing to you. I was a firefighter in Greenville for about a decade. And we worked 24 hours on, 48 hours off. And uh, then I got married. And then I found out we were pregnant with our little girl. 
And man, we would work 20 out of 24 hours. And mm. it would take me two days to get over it and I'd right back at work again. And yeah. you know, but the, the the chance, you know, when you tell somebody you're a firefighter, paramedic, you know, people kind of look at you a little differently. Kind of like when I was in the military, you know, I was kind of, you like that prestige. And then it was, it was a chance to advance and make good money and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. my wife and I sat down one night and she just said, I can't take it anymore. You know, you're just a different person because the lack of sleep and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, so we wrote them all out and everything that was positive pros for staying was all, all of the flesh. Yeah. And I got an opportunity to come to the county next to us about 20 miles away as a paramedic position. And paramedics aren't looked at the same as firefighters. I mean, it's just kind of a, it's just not the same. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's 24 hours on, 72 hours off. So I work one day, I'm off three. And uh, then we had my son. And, and so I'm home with my wife and children. Yeah. And, and that's priceless, man. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to leave them, you know, for the time I have with them here now. So, yeah, you know, uh, kudos and hats off to guys that are driven toward making millions and millions. And maybe that is their call in life to do that and, and have the resources to bless others. I've actually talked, I was talking to someone the other day, said, I think if $50 million was just deposited in my account, I'd be so afraid to tell anybody, you know, because your life, doesn't change so much because of the money, but from the people around you that know you have money. Exactly. Yeah. You don't know who your friends, true friends really are now. And then you got people that all of a sudden they need, they need some help. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't want to help them, but you know, your life changes because of money. And it, of course, you know, our sinful nature, we, we want to uh, live it up a little bit more than we used to. And in, in then in the long run, you maybe not as close as you are to your friends and family, and you've lost your way because you're having a good time with the 50 mil. And, and you don't know somebody truly loves you for, for you or for your money, you know I mean? That's true. So, And I think, uh, you know, you see the movie stars and music stars. I think they just come to the realization. They're like, who knows? I don't know, but I, I can't live there because I'll go crazy. So you move on. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. You have to be content. Content with what you got. Work hard for what you got. And then leave the rest up to God. Yeah, I, I have I felt, had a feeling here lately that I'm meant for more, you know, than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, God's been so good, man. When I get into the Word, it's like, you know, if you're meant for where you are, yeah. where God has placed you, you know, if he, if he intends for you to do something else, he'll open that door. It's not for you to go bust it open. I mean, not that you shouldn't be moving forward, but. Do the best where you can where you are, and then absolutely. You know, I've I've heard uh, every once in a while I like to listen. You know, there's there's stories you hear these people that you know maybe died on the operating table, maybe like five minutes or something, and they had some kind of vision thing. And I, I remember one one time that this person said that God said you got to go back because you have a you have a, a work to do, and you've been doing that work. And this person is like, I have no clue. Either I don't know yet what it's supposed to be, or I, I've undermined my simple place in life. Yeah. As, as if it's just a firefighter, or it's just a musician, or it's just a mom, or it's just a dad. And the way God sees it from a, in the aerial view, the big picture, it's not just doing anything. It's doing what he wants you to do, which is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. So it's that's that's the contentment we should look at is realizing, obviously, it looked like God would give me another desire to do something greater than what I'm doing and, and sustain me while I'm working really hard to do it. That's it's a tough, it's a slippery slope, CJ and I, because he's CJ. I I find is such a killer motivator. Um, yeah, he he can tell you what to do 
and how to make some, how make, make a dollar. And he he's not a big fan of fate. I'm not a big fan of fate. I'm a fan of of that God's will. If it's for like the was it what the Bible say something about a foolish man says I'm going to go do this and work this and make this money yeah. next year. I'll, yeah. Yeah. But God says no. What you should say is I'm going to do exactly what you just said. If it be God's will. So, but he's also balanced in that, but he realizes, he, he tells me all the time, he said, dude, you know, you got to work toward it. If you want it, work toward it. And if it comes, then you realize how it came because of blessing the Lord and because of your hard work. I you think the apostolic hard. mantle he talks about. What's that? <laughs> the apostolic mantle that he likes <laughs> right. to say. There's a, there's an old saying too. It says you, let me see if I can get this right. You pray as if God is uh, listening, but you work as if he's not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so both go hand in hand. You, you know, you're saying, Hey God, you're doing my part. Please bless what I do. You're, you're, you know, it's like we do with our saying the prayer over our food, bless his food, make sure there's no calories involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you say, God, I'm going to go work a hard day, man. Bless it. So I can, I can provide for my family. You know? So, yeah, it's it's a tough call. It's I think you have to be honest with yourself and say, is this what is this ultimately what I feel called to do? Yeah, and leave, and leave it at that. Yeah. Part of part of mine is ministry. I went to school for two years after the military, and my my dad died, and I got in service, and I just been through a lot of death and heartache, and uh, and going to Bible college a couple of years, thinking that I was going to be a preacher, you know, because I just I just experienced so much in life, I had a lot that I could relate to with people. And, uh, but man, I just, I'm like one of those, those fishermen on the boat. I'm just a layman. You know, I just, I, I didn't want to take Greek and Hebrew and go through the whole theology aspect of everything because there's just, I know there's just people out there who just need a simple gospel truth. They don't want to hear the, the depth of everything. And there's a lot of good old boys that won't listen to a pastor. They'll, yeah, they'll, exactly. They'll listen to a firefighter. Yeah, and that's kind of where I see myself to a certain extent is evangelist in that aspect. Absolutely. Hey, I, I'm broken. And, uh, and I'll admit all my faults and failures. And, uh, but, you know, I want to build you up. You know, God, don't, God loves me enough not to keep me where I'm at. You know, he wants me to, every day I'll be better than I was yesterday in all aspects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, thank God for his grace. That's, yeah. that's another thing that CJ and I were talking about today. About grace, it's just not given enough. When we're speaking of our family or our friends or even people we don't know, it, it sounds like a, a cop-out. But we truly don't know what people, why people make the decisions they make. Yeah. We, can, we can easily throw a rock and say, boy, that was a dumb thing that they did. It could be ignorance. It could be, you know, the whole total sin package, but it could be that and they need some grace. Yeah. Because they're going through some stuff. One of the times in life that I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, we were, I was at the fire department, we were on the EMS call. We had run probably 12, 14 calls already and 2 a.m. And I was upset, you know, my God, you know, got to call somebody that's, you know, like 20 years old with back pain and there. You can see the hospital from the house. They could have walked. You get there, there's four cars in the driveway and eight people in the house and nobody can take this person to the hospital. We come to get them, right? So I, I'm just ticked, you know, I'm just <laughs> kind of saying, you know, just kind of bad-mouthing them in my mind. Right. And at 2 a.m. right now, I remember this very distinctly. The Holy Spirit stops me and says, if they don't know me, you can't expect them to act like they do, you know? And not that what they were doing was wrong in that, in that moment, but it was like, you can't expect people to be holy if they don't know the gospel. So you got not have the expectations of people. You have to teach them, right? As the, the eunuch, the eunuch said, you know, how do I know that somebody teaches me? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how they know unless a preacher has been sent. 
That, yeah. and use that, you can use that word preacher for any of us that's preaching the gospel, good news. And sometimes your indignation that you have toward that person that's one of those cars sitting in a driveway is correct. And they need to be told, hey, you know, what the heck are you doing, man? You could save this person $400 ride to the hospital. But it's it's tough. You have to you have to keep a humble spirit about it because you could be right, could be wrong. And that's what, I guess that's what you call walking by the spirit, man. Yeah. You're trying to be led by the Lord. It just, it helped me out, convicted me in all judgments, you know, just everything. You know, you, you, sometimes you get a little self-righteous when you're in the Word and reading things and you're trying to walk a righteous life. And then you see people like, oh, you know, but if they don't know God, they don't yeah. know the gospel. If they don't know what it says, you can't blame them because they're going to follow the flesh. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a walk in the dark. I had something happen to me, man. I feel so bad. I, I had something happen to me as a Nashville this past week. I had my girlfriend and my two sons, and we were going through the Country Music Hall of Fame. And I was like, I like playing little tricks on people. And just I, I'm going to cut up, you know. Well, this girl was lasering our tickets to go in. I already bought them, so I had my tickets, and I was kind of like moving them around. And whatnot. Well, I wasn't even looking at her. I was just, I saw her laser and I was kind of focused on trying to make it hard on her. Uh-huh. And when we finally got through that, my boy said, dad, what was you doing? I said, what? I was just playing with her a little bit. He said, dad, she was blind. <laughs> I said, no, she wasn't. And he goes, yes. And because he was, he was ticked at me because he thought I knew. Oh yeah. When he found out that I didn't know, then he started laughing, realizing, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't believe you did that. I felt horrible, though, man. I, I'm like, I, I'm going to start checking my environment out much closer. <laughs> CJ and Pat Mack, Pat Mack tell you, be aware of your surroundings at all times. They keep your head oh, yeah, on swivel, right. you know. Yeah. He talks about, you know, uh, Pat talks about sitting uh, with, your, with your back not facing the door and yeah. at all times. And I saw a couple of his videos on that, even about, parking your car in certain areas and it's it's sound advice man well it just made you feel better about your story my sister you know told you she was handicapped you know and when she was growing up she was in a classroom with other children who were you know mentally and physically handicapped uh-huh. and uh i used to pick her up and bring her take her school pick her up one day i went to go get her and i said come on Amanda, you know let's go there's no little girl in her class named amanda too but my sister she's doing something other and i said hey man did you did you hear me i said come on so you deaf and a little, little little girl, she's like, no, I'm blind. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, Amanda, I'm sorry, sweetie. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to my sister. But, oh, my gosh. I just yeah, felt this big, you know. <laughs> I know it. I did, too. I really wanted, because you have to get on an elevator. After, after tickets, you have to get on an elevator, and the elevator takes you to a certain level to the Country Music Hall of Fame. I wanted to go right back down the elevator and find her and let her know. Uh, she she kind of giggled and i thought she knew what i was was talking about but then the boy said no dad she was blind and i felt so bad well how does she know where to scan well i told the guy i told them i told my boys i said that doesn't make sense she had it she had a walker like not a walker but a cane and i thought that maybe maybe for a bum leg or something you know she had a trouble walking or something <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it was for tapping things so she can get around. Yeah. I think, I think she probably had to be close, you know, maybe like four or five inches. She could really see something. Uh, okay. Because I think she just moves back and forth a certain area. Anyway, it was, it was embarrassing. I, I felt bad for her. I was, I was just disgusted with myself. Somebody will have it on YouTube. They video it. You know, <laughs> you'll be out there. <laughs> Anybody know this guy? 
you're if banned. You you're banned from Opry ever again. <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit about faith and all that kind of stuff. Tell me a little about yourself. Where did you said you grew up in Indiana? What kind? What is your early life like yeah, and all that? Uh, a little place called Frank West. Not little now, but it's Franklin, Indiana. It's about matter of fact. You lately there was a shooting in Greenwood, Indiana. You remember, yeah, about that. Yeah. That was the mall I used to go to growing up. That was that's only about fifteen minutes north of Franklin. Mm. So it's about I don't know about thirty minutes south of Indianapolis. Franklin is. And uh, grew up there. My dad was a Missourian. My mom was Kentuckian. Oh, their families from that area. And we were just a bunch of country folk living in the Midwest. And uh, yeah, I grew up in church. But all you know, we loved we loved watching Jimmy Swagger. But also we liked watching Hee Haw at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We had a good balance, but uh, we listened to, listened to gospel music growing up, Happy Goodman family, the Hensons, a lot of Southern gospel. And so when I graduated high school, I had a job already waiting for me to go play in a, in a, in a gospel band. And I just, I did that up until probably around 90, 90 or 91. Then I uh, moved to Nashville with my wife and kids and did that for a number of years. was also a worship pastor throughout that time. But eventually we made my way back to North Carolina. I still record records for other people and produce other people and I still write. And about three years ago, I've always wanted to be in a good country band, a lot of good players, quality players. Found some good old boys out of Virginia and Northern North Carolina. So I go out and do that about three or four times a month. And then I mm-hmm. do my, my music videos and smaller gigs, you know, but I just enjoy it, man. We live in such a different time with music. I mean, music is, the guys that are making money are not depending on record sales. It's all ticket sales to concerts. No one buys the music anymore. They don't have to. You can listen, you buy a $10 subscription to Spotify or Apple Music, and you can listen to any kind of song you want. But oddly enough, because of the music I do, I'm, I'm actually working on a CD. And because there are the types of people that are over 40, they still got CD players. You know, they want to own a physical CD. Yeah. And some of them even listen to Spotify, but still want a physical CD. So I'm working on that. And you know, there's some other things I got in my mind I want to do. Me and my brother are talking about doing a movie. We're, he's creative as well. He's, he's also a pastor who lives out in Arizona. Oh, awesome. And a uh, big hunter and fisherman. And then my sister and her husband, they pastor a church in Indiana, Lawrenceburg, which is about 15 minutes from Cincinnati, Ohio. So uh, the heritage of I've grown up in gospel music and country music is it runs pretty deep. But my next two songs coming out kind of dedicated to my daddy. It's gonna be really good stuff. I'm excited about that. And that's when the music comes alive, man. When you got those hearts involved, man, you can just tell it in people who sometimes they things they're singing. That one in particular I'm thinking of is ah, uh, what's his name? He was in the military. He was in the military. Craig Morgan. Oh, yeah. When his son passed, that song he wrote about. God the Father, my son, you know, my son in the Holy Ghost. Man, that was a powerful song. That was pretty touching. I heard that song. It was about two years ago that he came out? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no, uh, you can kind of imagine what it would be like, but you have no clue until yeah. you or something like that. And I've heard people say, I've heard people say stuff like, you know, I can't imagine, or I understand or something. And people that have gone through grief are saying, don't say that because you don't really know. We know why people say that. You know, trying to to help the person they're talking to, but no, there's no like I, I always know my dad would, would would pass away with some someday, but I had no clue that it would be so soon. My dad, he was 74, and he looked like he was 64 or five yeah. old, and he had 
still had his little bit of gray, full head of hair, very energetic. So you just, you're not prepared for something. Well, I mean, you know, at least he lived a life and you knew where, you know, you knew what his beliefs were, where his faith lied. So that, I know people say all kinds of stuff. And I had, I heard of my dad died. And I just kind of, I blew it off because I knew that they would, they meant well, but it does give you a sense of peace knowing what they, what their faith was in, where it lied. And you didn't have any regret in that aspect. Absolutely. And, you know, you got to leave it in God's hands, no matter who you're talking about. It's passed on. You just, we aren't God. And it sounds like a cop out, but it, it, it truly ain't. I think sometimes people say that, but you have to realize we're not God, so we have no clue. You know, when people I meet, you know, it's just the whole like, it's biblical aspect. You know, I, I plant seeds. I scatter seeds everywhere I go, you know, and talk to people. I, I befriend them first. I'm not going to come up to people and just, you know, start spewing stuff out that they may have no interest in whatsoever. But if you get to know me, if we talk over a period of time, you know, I'm gonna, the gospel's going to come out eventually, you know, because I'm going to tell you what I believe in. Look, I don't know if today's my last day or your last day. So I'll make sure that. You know, you remember that in scripture when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. Yeah. And finally, he asked him for the third time. And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And if he, he didn't say, Peter, if you love me, have a tent revival. He didn't say, <laughs> Peter, if you love me, build a big ministry. He didn't say, none of He said, feed my sheep. So I could, in my mind, when I read that, it's like I could picture, he's saying, go over to the fence, have your bucket ready, and do something that's so un-gospel or so yeah. un-ministry form. Feed, just feed the sheep. Yeah. Let them get used to being around you. Let them like you. It's hard to witness someone about the gospel if they don't like you. And so sometimes the simplest thing to do in ministry is be human, not this pompous attitude and higher than mighty. That never wins anybody, right? I mean, that's right. the thing people have a, a right. perspective of church or church people. No, it's it's even people don't even like it when it comes to business. The whole point of I've been in sales in the past and, um, the guy's always told me, my, my sales manager says, listen, they're buying that product. They do want the product, but they're buying that product because of you. And when you get, when you get that concept and that, when the bell goes off, realizing if they like me, they'll most likely buy this product versus just being a parrot and, and, and just saying everything. It's off the manual of what yeah. you're trying to sell. So it's selling the sizzle, not the steak. That goes for the selling of the gospel as well. Yeah, man, it's so many fake people out there who use it for the wrong things, and it doesn't take you know very many to mess it up for everybody else. Man, we can get on that topic for a while. <laughs> I tell you, lately, Ernie, I've been I've been more ticked off at, at the followers than I am the leaders. I mean, yeah, of course the leaders it benefits well for them. You know, multiple nice cars and houses, and, but you know, it's like it's like uh, Israelites wanted a king. God said, I don't. You don't need a king. You got me. They kept on begging and they finally gave them one. It wasn't God's plan. And so a lot of times the people, it's the followers that are the some of the greediest ones out there. Because yeah. it takes it takes followers to for a leader or just a very poor theological, you know, money hungry preacher to come along. So yeah, we could talk about that topic for a while. <laughs> I'm well, right now. It's, it's people like your father. Though. I, don't, I didn't ever know your dad or anything, but the way you speak about him, you know, it's those people who live it out in life. You know, if, if their family knows a true person and those people who are, you know, living it out faithfully, people know who they are. Yeah. And that's the key to it. Not being somebody else outside of the home, you know? No, you're right, man. It's I'm glad my dad was that way. My dad never was one of those uh, name it, claim it, 
he was a man of faith. Now, if he needed, if he done all he could do and he had to wait on God to bring in, whether it's healing finances or anything like that, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about, about believing God because of what my dad did. Yeah. There was a time that he, he was needing a, to pay a, a car payment one time. And uh, he said, God, I've worked my tail off all week long. I've done everything I know how to do. And they're going to come and, they're going to come and get that car Monday. And I don't understand it, God, because I thought you gave me that car. And he, uh, Sunday night, he was, he, we came home from church and there was another pastor there in town. Pastor Fletcher called him on the phone and said, Brother Wood, and he said, uh, can me and Thelma come over tonight? That's, about, that's what's cool back then, man. People just pull up in your yard. Yeah. Or they call you on the phone. They won't text you. And he had no quorums of, of calling dad. So anyway, he, he shows up and uh, he comes in with tears in his eyes. And his dad's like, what's going on? He thinks, oh, someone died. And uh, he said, we've been, we had a good church service tonight, Brother Wood. He said, it was just, just, the Lord was out there in a mighty way. And he said, but you know what? We were closing in service. And God said, I'm supposed to take up an offer for you. Make a long story short, man. Let's just say that the the car payment was $242. And they took up $242 Hmm. minus a dime. My dad said, I've got the dime. Things like that, it's great because it builds other people's faith. Not only does it build my faith as, as a son, but he's given that testimony that God does care about your car payment. He does care about all these different things. And it's not just, we don't have to live like a, a poor person. The Bible says we're blessed by the sweat of our brow. So God wants us to, I think it's funny that God says work six days and rest one because man probably gets in trouble with, with a whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. God is good though, man. When we, when we do our part, we see how good he is. So how old were you when you when you came to know God or when you fully accepted it? You know when I when I was conscious of it. There's a there's a kind of not to get too deep in the way we look at salvation or following God. Some religious circles believe in more of a covenant where you're just raised in it. You just you've never known anything but God, and yeah. this is what we do. It was a little bit like that, but I do remember a time when I was Wednesday night at church, you know, kneeling, my mom and on the pew and giving my heart to God. And I probably was five, six years old, man. Oh, wow. And my dad wasn't saved. He wasn't going to church and he once did. He got away from God or he walked away from doing the things of God. But my, it was funny. My dad would stay home, man. He would play records, gospel records. We're at church. Me and my mom and my siblings are at church. And my dad's at the at house playing gospel records and crying like a baby. It's under conviction, man, of the Holy Spirit. The reason why you, people would say that's crazy, but the reason why dad did that is because he was a, a black and white type of guy. He wasn't going to give his heart to God and not live the life. So he knew, he knew that when he did it, he was going to do it. And um, he would go to these house church type of things that would just have gospel music. And one night they asked him if he wanted to give his heart to God, and he was going to give that same old answer that I'm just not ready yet type of thing. He didn't get it halfway out of his mouth, man. He just started crying, man. Just gave his heart to God. I run to the phone. I'm calling my pastor and saying, my dad got saved. And uh, but my dad changed. He did a 180, man. He just totally changed and was on fire for God. And it was like that for forever. But uh, yeah, it's a beautiful heritage. It would, you know, like again, like I said, it wasn't this silver spoon way of living financially or in the family arena, but I had, I have real good parents and I was, I thank God for it. You know, they have really tried to do their best in raising us. And, and I'd be honest with you, man, I don't know any family, perfect parents, period, that there's just no such thing. You think you are one, good luck to you, man. You know, it's because it, it you don't know. I mean, you don't, you don't really know all you can judge it on is by, by the word of God. Yeah. You know, it's your, 
you're doing good seed. Did you have any prodigal son moments in life? I didn't do any good sin until I, I got out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I think prodigal son, like completely leave God and go the other direction and just don't want anything to, I've never, I've never done that, but you get this really lazy, complacent dedication to him. Yeah. And therefore you go do crazy things, worldly things. Hey man. But uh, it's, I was so, when, when I was in, when I was going through high school, my focus was so much on, on music that I had a gospel group on the side when I wasn't going to school and I was booking dates. And when I say dates, gigs in different churches, I didn't do any drinking or smoking or any type of stuff until I got out on my own. It was like, I was like, I think I was like 20 years old and I just didn't have any, my focus wasn't there. My focus was, was to do the music, but it, it was, I don't ever remember making a choice to saying I'm no longer going to follow God. It's, I think it's the fear of God and also just the knowing that it's a much easier life to live for God than for the devil or the world. But you have low times where you, you don't make a confession yeah. of following God, but you kind of live like it. Sure. Follow yourself. Well, what you Follow yourself. Yeah. And I, I've heard these stories of how people have these all these kind of experiences with God and he shows up and he changes their mind on and. I don't understand that. I really don't. I've never had any of those types of moments. I've had those moments, like I mentioned earlier, where, you know, you're going through a really low time. And you're like, wow, this is what it feels like to be in somewhat of a spiritual prison mm-hmm. in the presence of God. Feel those same angels that brought Peter out. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, and sometimes I wonder, Ernie, if there's people like me, or maybe you're the same way, where God doesn't feel like he has to do that. Maybe he has to do those big experiences for certain people to keep them on track. Because I never, never have not believed in God or in the gospel. I've been at moments discouraged or challenged in certain scriptures. And what do I really think about this? No, I I think I've always tried, not my best, but I've tried. Yeah, I know that, uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, if you're not, if the spiritual aspect of life is not there, then you're going to probably not have success in the other areas, you know, mentally, emotionally. And um, what I would do, what I started doing at a young age is when I would seek the love of my father, not from him, because I mean, I, I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted, but I would go out and seek it through relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, started having sex at a young age. And so it's gratifying the flesh and getting that instant gratification type thing. Yeah. And I never it's did get into Very, It's very common. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think a lot of people do it, but they just don't know. Like I said, they don't they don't understand the psychology behind it. Why they're doing these things, you know? Vice versa. Once said, you need to think about what you're thinking about. <laughs> you know, and I didn't do that till later in life. I was just whatever I thought about, I do it. You know, why well, I, I did that for? Even after I, you know, was saved, I continued on with that because it, it felt good. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I heard an old preacher say, "Sin will take you farther than you want to go, and longer you want to stay, and make you pay way more than you want to pay." And because it sin is fun because it feeds the flesh, but there is payday and it, it's sometimes a short term. Sometimes it could be long term. And you have to really think about that. What you're getting ready to do is just something that you can, you're willing to live with for a while because you have to pay the fee yeah. sometime. Paul said he had to die daily. And that's the apostle Paul. They had died daily to his flesh. And if Paul had a problem with it, this guy's was total 150% dedicated. Then why would I think it'd be any easier for me? You think Paul had the single ladies come up to him and all say, hey, ladies. pastor? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all of them. I mean, it could have been that any of them. 
married or not, they could have had all kinds of temptations that we just read the scriptures and think these guys were about as close as Jesus as Jesus himself. <laughs> but maybe they had the same problems, temptations, weaknesses that we got, but God used them anyway. You know, they weren't born perfect. But, you know, if we could do it ourselves, what would Jesus for? You know, like none of us can do it on our own and we're all, no. we all fall short. That's why we need a savior. Absolutely. You know, CJ and I was talking one time, he said uh, he had a period in his life where he was, he was praying something like, I don't know, he was going through a season where he felt like he really needed to pray a lot. He was praying 16, 17 hours a day or something. And I think he was, uh, he's one of those fools that are just dedicated. He gets it up in his mind, man. He is just yeah. like yeah. a bulldog. But he said, here's how the devil works. He says, in that moment, he says, then the devil whispers, but you didn't pray 19 hours. Yeah. You know, he says, I could pray for 23 hours a day. He said, the devil come by and say, yeah, but there's still one hour left. You know what I'm saying? It, sometimes the voices outside and inside makes it a tough journey sometimes. You ever heard that, read that book, or I think it's an old movie too on it, Pilgrim's Progress? Yep. It's a great illustration of the journey of the Christian because sometimes you feel like you're in the swamp of discouragement, depression, and, and different things. And you can stay right there and feed that flesh. And crazy as it sounds, sometimes wallowing in that crap, you know, the whole misery less company, because you got these songs crying in your beer songs. That's in essence what that song's for. It's to make the lonely not feel so lonely that there's other people out there feeling just as lonely as they are. And you know what? I have no problem with writing songs about heartbreak and whatnot because it's real It's real life. But I think if you're going to put that collaboration, I mean, if you're going to make a collaboration of, of music, you know, give some hope too. And, you know, I don't have no problem with talk, guy talking about drinking a beer on a, on a hot summer day, but we're not talking about him drinking a keg and getting behind the wheel and, and destroying people's lives. So it's it's... It really is a balance, man. And not to be so dang old hard on yourself. We're all trying to strive the same way that book, Christian, his name is Christian in that thing. His, uh, we're striving up the same hill, man. And, and I'm doing this, you know, basically, I'm trying to leave a legacy for my kids. You know, one day I want them to be able to pull this out, listen to it, hear other men that I've talked to, talk about their life, how they grew up, the struggles they had, overcame, even though there were struggles, you know, everybody's going to have them. The problem I had growing up was that men didn't talk about those things. Their body kind of acted like they had everything under control, or if it didn't, it, did, it wasn't spoken about. Yeah. So I always felt like I was the crazy one, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because, you know, the reason why, though, Ernie, is because a lot of guys aren't being honest. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they're not being honest that they're addicted to porn, or they have a temper, or they're abusive to one of their kids. Or um, when I say abusive, it doesn't mean that they're, they're actually hitting them but they're allowing their past hurts to come flow through them onto their kids. When they get home, they're ticked off at their boss, so they kick the cat and, and slap the kids, and there's no excuse for that. However, you know that what's still abounding is just sin, and they may think they have an excuse. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Sure. You have no idea. And that's like the whole um, Elijah in the cave type of thing. You know, I'm the only one serving you. <laughs> and it's not the truth. Yeah. matter of fact, there's several thousand people out there that's doing it right now. They're not bound their knee to bail. And so the worst thing we can do is is wallow in a, a spiritual pity or emotionally pity, you know, a pity and just think that we're the only ones. And man, this world's filled with people that need God, that need help in all kinds of areas. And the best thing we do is just keep focused on that. This is not our home, man. This is yeah. not intended to be utopia. I've had that 
until I was about a junior in high school. I just kind of had that woe is me. Sister was handicapped, parents divorced, you know, it's helping take care of my mom and sister. My grandmother was blind, my mom's mom. And I was riding over, taking care of her, getting her insulin together, taking care of her. You know, I saw my dad, I was, you know, with him and his mom helping them out. Yeah. And so I had all this pressure on my shoulders. And anyway, it was, I just kind of like, I'm never going to mount anything. And I just felt like I was just going to stay. I, I, actually, I'm back in Barrett, of all places where I grew up. I said I was never going to come back here. But, that happens um, a lot, you know. That happens a lot. People they say, I'll never go back to such and such, and they end up back there. But it took a guy, I dating a girl in high school, it took her dad, who was a, a strong Christian man, who was a businessman, to pull me aside and go, hey, what are your plans for the future? It's like, I don't know. I was a lifeguard in the summertime, a waiter in the winter, you know, and I had no idea. And I didn't really have anything drawing me away, but he, he just encouraged me to say, hey, look, you need to go to college, you know, and you need to do well in school and go to college and, you know, maybe there you'll figure it out. But it gave me some hope that, hey, yeah. I, I, didn't, I think I could go to college. I didn't even think about that. You know, I was just, you know. What's well, interesting to hear that is that, you know, you had that gap, that, mm-hmm. or that void that you had desired in your dad. So this guy who comes along and gives you advice, if he gave someone that had a good dad and didn't want to go to college, to brush it off. God sent the right person to give you good sound advice. Mm-hmm. Again, we come back to what? God is our father. Ultimately, yeah. he's our father. And that you took it, ran with it, and you're back in bare grounds. <laughs> that's it, man. That's it. And that's what I'm hoping people, it, not just my children, but maybe other people will hear this and they may just need to hear somebody's story. Yeah. You know, they may have that, you know, they may be on that fence and think they're not going to amount to anything. And the amount of money you have, the job title you have, it doesn't make you somebody. You know, your character is, is who you are. You know, yeah. that's what matters. But so when you take that Batman suit off, that's who you really are. You know, yeah. it's like you're only Superman when you're flying, but you gotta <laughs> you gotta come down the ground sometime. And that's what happens with a lot of celebrities is they believe their they believe their own male. That's a really good point, man. Yeah, some other people here just normal people we're talking mac i talked to mac a little bit you know he's probably the most celebrity person i've spoke with just because i was military for a couple of years and i aspired to be in the special forces but mm-hmm. yeah other other issues came about i got out because of family hardship and issues they needed me more home mm-hmm. being the only son you know me being infantry in the front lines going out and possibly getting killed just already been on one tour and i just couldn't do it to my family so i hear you man. but you know i know physically what it took, but I know the process it took for Matt to go through what he went through and how hard it is to, to accomplish all he accomplished. So he's a unique individual too. So I just wanted to, if I had an opportunity to interview, I wanted to take, you know, take a chance. Yeah. I haven't got to meet Pat. I want to, I had a chance. I should have took it. It was about a couple of years ago. TJ was headed that way to do some kind of shoot with them. He said, come along. And I said, I can't because such and such was in, on my radar at the time, but he seems like a, he is a bulldog focus. Yes. He believes in what he what he preaches. You need more guys like him in this one. Yeah, and you know, we talked a little bit about faith, and he he kind of made comment about he was a self made dude, you know. And I just said, well, you know, that's just your opinion. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't certainly believe that. I do feel like you know he seeks God through nature and other things, which God reveals Himself. He says through three ways: through His creation, through His Word, right. and through His Son. That's right. So I've been praying for Matt that you know through nature whatever, whatever, pray for people a bit. God will speak to them, whatever it takes. But I tell you right now, I agree with you. And I tell you right now too, that I don't think it's by coincidence that God put CJ in his life either. Yeah. I think Pat would even tell you that. From what I hear, he's, he's, it's made a big, pretty big impact on him. You know, the relationship he's 
Say with CJ. Oh, he says all the time. CJ makes the Bible cool, you know. Yeah, and, and he does, and, and I'm glad he's reading it. You know. Yeah, exactly. No, it's good, man. God, God has his timing. God ain't biting his nails, man. He's all yeah. sovereign. He's got it all planned out. Yeah. So I know we've talked a lot about faith, man, and we hadn't talked much about your what you're doing now and that kind of thing. And I talk about you talk about your music a little bit. Yeah, I just I have a Facebook channel page called Stephen Wood Music, and anywhere on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. But you know, all those are Stephen Wood music. Now there's, man, I, you won't believe, Ernie, how many fake accounts get started. I've asked Chris if he's had, I call him Chris. I've asked him if he's got any fake ones and he hasn't, but I've got 15 or 20 on TikTok, 15 or 20 on Instagram, you know, some on Wow. And all they're doing is they're, they'll change a letter like the latest one I saw was Stephen Wood Music and it had two C's on the end. And then, my, of course, my picture. And then most people are not seeing that. They're just they're not seeing the extra C. Or they'll put five, six, seven on the end of it. Or as long as they have that picture, sometimes people just see the picture. Because you can your username can be Stephen Wood Music, two C's, four C's, whatnot. And then underneath your picture, you can just have Stephen Wood Music. You can copy my bio completely. Anyway, oh, they'll, they'll download my videos and put it on that. And they'll try to scam people. They go yeah. and say thanks for following me. Uh, you can you know it's either a bot, you know, like a computer robot, or it's some dude in the basement in Nigeria, you know, just trying to scam some people. So if you anybody any of your listeners are listening, it's Stephen Wood music only. It's not. It's just Stephen Wood music. There's no extra letters. There's no spaces. Anyway, so I have I'm on the social media stuff as well as I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon iTunes. But I just try to, to sing songs, God, faith, family, love relationships. I like everything that represents what we go through in day-to-day mm. live combat. I see you, the, the one that you have that's get the most listens to is a heart that will never be broken. Yeah, that will never break. never break again. Yeah, I heard a song years ago by Jeff and Sherry Easter. Jeff's dad wrote that, the Easter's out of Mount Airy, which is the Mayberry area. Oh, yeah, yeah. My father-in-law was where he was born. Oh, really? He probably knew the Easters then. But uh, I always thought that was just a cool song, man, because, number one, the words are incredible. Just really hardcore country you know, type stuff. So I want to redo it, and I inboxed Jeff Easter and asked him, say, would you do duet with me? And it grew from that to having Sherry also on there. So I did a lyric video to it and put it out there on my page. And it's funny, the girlfriend, the girl I'm dating right now, she said, you know, it's 971,000 views. She said, we got to get that thing up to a million. And so she just shared it on her page only. But something happened when she did that. It like reinstated the algorithm to maybe start working again or something. Now it's 1.1 million. And she just did that last week. So keep that in mind. Maybe reposting, resharing something sometimes can can get the thing back up and running. So there's, there's, man, the social media, there's so many things that you have to battle with the whole algorithm stuff, right keywords and stuff. So I, I do the best I can, man. I think the gospel stuff on my page is done really well. It's funny what works on TikTok may not be what's popular on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's kind of two different types of people. I ask CJ all the time his advice on content. He's like, he tells me all the time, this is good for you too, Ernie. Just be yourself because not everybody wants to whatever. 
this is chocolate cake. <laughs> Two different chocolate cakes. Right. But uh, yeah, just do your thing and hope it it communicates to somebody and it maybe brings comfort, change, or rebuke. You know, different things. So I, I enjoy doing that. I got some more things in the future. I'm actually I also have YouTube, Stephen Wood Music YouTube, and uh, I want to do I want to start doing some vlogging as well. I want to treat my YouTube channel though a little different. You know, I still have my music on there, but I want to try to start showing my day-to-day life not day-to-day i should say just showing the other side of of me you know i don't know about you man but sometimes when that camera comes on you think you're being who you really are but there's just something that that makes you want to shield yourself a little bit and you start holding back yeah i was raised in a pastor's home so therefore Mm -hmm. i'm thinking about all the scrutiny that can possibly happen but at some point you got to realize I'm not my dad and I'm, I'm not going to please everybody. You know, I just tell CJ tonight, I might get a 0.2 negative comments on what I post. And I, and one can say, well, that's great. It can be great, but maybe I'm not doing anything that is on the edge. That's not pushing anybody's buttons. I mean, why would you just want to go on someone's comments and say, and spend that time saying, I hate this song. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, move on. You don't, have to, you don't have to comment that. Yeah, I was thinking it's time to start, you know, showing a little bit more. Of, I have a funny side to me as well that I, when I, those who are around me get to experience that. My brother, he rides me all the time, said, dude, you got to start showing the real you. I'm like, Ryan, I got to have a, I've got to have, you know, like the whole Andy Griffith show thing. There was a straight guy and then a comedian. Yeah. I got to have that straight and comedian type of thing for me to know what to bounce off of. But it's funny, man. I, I do treat it as entertainment. I don't, I don't take it too serious, but I, I'd love to see it grow. I would love to see it do other things, but it's, you just have to be you and figure out what's going to work. And, and also in long term as well, but I'm just having fun, man. I'm yeah. sure you are with your podcast as well. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, there's probably, well, CJ, you know, wanted us to meet anyway, you know, so I would probably met you through CJ at some point. Yeah. Well, we should meet halfway or something. We, yeah. yeah. I'm talking about that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, man. I'd love to. But, you know, I mean, like I said, I get an opportunity to meet top people like you. Just yeah. I told my wife, I said, look, if nothing else comes of it, I'm gaining wisdom. I'm gaining yeah. You know, just a, a, another person that, you know, I, like-minded faith. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even if we're not like-minded faith, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I still yeah. learning stuff from somebody. I'm gaining some, I can always learn something from anyone I talk to. And that's why I'm trying to treat them with that amount of respect that they may be annoying, <laughs> maybe all kind, but I always try to get something, you know, sometimes in church, I don't care what the preachers say. And like, you know, this is kind of long on it, but I can always find something he's talking about. Spit out the bones. You know. Yes. So this is improving me. If it ain't helping anybody else, then so be it. But I have gotten a lot of good feedback from people saying, Hey man, keep doing it. You know, it's helping me. So that does give me some. Uh, cool. Keep on doing it, man. If yeah. CJ, his advice was something like you'd said, he said, you know, you got to sell yourself. He said, he wants me to do like some mini vlogs or something other. And I was like, man, that's just not me. I just don't, I don't care to be out on that platform. You know, I like being just like, I don't want to be on the pulpit in front of a, you know, I mean, I don't mind going and preaching it to a crowd, but. Yeah. But he's probably telling you the same thing he tells me. Yeah. He, he agrees with my brother. He says, I know what you're like when we get around each other. He says, yeah. if you'll start showing that side of yourself, he says the people will enjoy it. And so he, he told me the same thing about you, man. He says, Ernie is a funny dude. He's a great to be around, etc." And so I think what you and I kind of battle a little bit is that ego ego. <laughs> and we're like, do they really care about that? Yeah. Yeah. 
And we think I'm a perfectionist. So I'm thinking in my mind, well, I got to guard myself a little bit. I can't show them too much of my silliness. And because what will they think? They go on. Their life is okay. If they think it's you're a nut, they they still like this other aspect of you. You know what I'm saying? Like Donna Parton, you know, she's got all this personality and whatnot. And that's cool. And people, some people love that part of her. I don't mean it's it's okay. But if you just listen to her sing, she's a songbird, man. She can sing her tail off. But I think that's the way we have to look at ourselves. We have we should look at ourselves presenting a buffet. And it some things about us and our personality will go over with certain people. And some yeah. people, they say, you know, they might say, that Steve guy, he's a funny dude, but he can't sing worth a lick. Or he can write singer, he just needs to shut up about that. It doesn't matter. Just be ourselves, let the chips fall, and, and just go for the embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm trying to protect my wife and kids more than anything because I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get out there. And, you know, it may be something that would be popular, but say you get out there and say you have some fans or somebody that reach out to you, you know what I mean? That can yeah. be temptation. You know what I mean? I just don't care. Honestly, you know, yeah. Trying to avoid all that as much as I can. So. Yeah. Well, as you go, you'll build that fence. You'll, you'll, you'll see what you need to, you know, I get inboxes that for women, they'll just compliment the songs, but you know, if you'd sit there and talk to them, it'll just go into another conversation. Another conversation. Mm-hmm. So I just say, thank you and move on. That doesn't mean I'm some, some celebrity or a hunk or like it's just people love music man and when you connect a really cool thing with an individual they see it together they see you like i feel like i'm more than just a musician i'm stephen wood i have an identity first of all christ but also there's a other aspect of who i am but people that don't know me they see me as stephen wood the musician they see ernie as a balanced man podcast mm-hmm. they, until they get to know you and realize oh Man, he's got all these other qualities about him that I wouldn't have thought in a million years. You know, they thought I didn't know he was into knitting. You know, but it's 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 all good though. We should if we just can relax, which is it's tough. Just yeah. and I tell you this, I bet you're much better than you were on your first podcast. Oh yeah, and so that it goes to show the more we do it and challenge ourselves in this the better we become. Yeah, I just got to keep looking at the person. I, yeah. I'm not a fan of looking at me on anything. I really don't care to hear myself either. I don't like my oh, man. But that, you get you get used to it. I even, now when I listen to myself sing, I think I, I sound like that when I, when I get down and recording. When I hear myself talk sometimes, it sounds a little different to me. But mm-hmm. that's just because I'm not used to it. You get used to it as, as the more you do it. But main thing is you're blessing people. I'm blessing people the little bit I can provide. That's all that matters. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the purpose of it all, right? Absolutely. You know, love yeah. God, love others, and try to bless people with whatever, like CJ says, whatever gifts you have, whatever talent you have, you know, maximize it to the best of your ability. I'm also a graphic designer, and I remember one time on the job, I was a graphic designer at the time, and this guy says, Steve, listen, you do great work. It's, it's great. It's awesome. He said, but you're taking a little too long. He said, I'd rather have a bunch of B plus work than four or five A pluses. And and that was the best way to describe it to me is that I may think as a perfectionist that it has to be done, you know, to the, the greatest hill. But most people, they just want a bunch of B pluses. Yeah. They want, they want more podcasts. They want more songs. They don't care that I create some masterpiece that would be played a hundred years from now, especially in this day and age. So that's that really helped me and taught me a lot about there's nothing wrong with excellence. You should sure. strive for that, but you just gotta lay down that sort of perfection because it, it can cut you all to pieces. What it does to me, it makes me turn into a procrastinator. 
was mm-hmm. I realized how hard it's going to be to do all yeah. that crap. So I'm getting better. I have some of those qualities. I say I'm not. I say that, but and again, nothing ever comes out perfect. So if I do procrastinate, try to do things. It's like this podcast. CJ is the one that kind of motivated me to do this. I said, "Hey man, think about podcast. You know, think about something other." And I asked him about. You know, he's like, "Well, why are you wasting my time? Why don't you go do it yourself?" Oh yeah, <laughs> so, that's, so that's, like, that's the best advice he could have gave you, man. Yeah, keep it up, dude. You're doing good. There was a couple of questions I had for you, real quick. I know we don't have much time left, but biggest celebrity ever met. Biggest celebrity or, or one that you, it was kind of like you're, you're the biggest fan of that you get to meet. Maybe the biggest one I ever met, though, was probably Conway Twitty. Oh, awesome. Um, I, I, when I accidentally pulled up in his driveway. I thought I, was, <laughs> I thought I was going around his house, but it was actually going in his driveway. And I heard some guy going, you ain't supposed to be in here, and stopped. He came up to the window, and uh, I said, man, I, I, I'm so sorry. And then I realized, hey, hey, Conway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we start talk, t- talking to us, man. And uh, that was really odd because, you know, I think about three months later, dude, he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. What did you do to him? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I scared him. Yeah. No, he, that was pr- maybe. Yeah, I know. He's prior. Because he, span, he spans the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And then nine, he lived in, I think it was 93 when he died. But I've trying to remember i've met some different ones but my favorite singer though man of all time was actually a gospel singer by the name of kenny henson hmm. that dude had, had, throughout his career in gospel music he had multiple times where big record companies in nashville offered country contracts because the dude just phenomenal he, he was hmm. he was in gospel music but it's more country gospel but he could sing pitch range all that stuff he was just phenomenal best singer Probably. I mean, that whole thing about who's the best singer, thats it depends on the music you're talking about. If we're talking about country style, he was my favorite. I did I did get to meet him. That to me, to me, growing up, that was like meeting Elvis. My mind's blank right now. I've met I've met different entertainers, but I can't remember one that really stands out. That Anybody the most personable? No, I was just saying, when I get off this, I'll probably think about three or four of them. I ran into Lori Morgan when I lived in Nashville. Garth Brooks ran into him in a boot store in Nashville. But not sitting down, that type of thing, talking to him or getting a picture. You know, left him alone. They're at they're at home, because I lived in Nashville. I want them to realize this is their home and don't bother them. If you live in Nashville, you'll see a bunch of them. As close as where I got to talk to someone, the biggest one probably was Conway Twitty. Yeah, I mentioned Craig Morgan earlier. He came to Iraq when I was deployed. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah, he and some young girl, and and I was 24, 25 years old, and we were going on just combat missions. Just, I mean, it was constant, and I was had some downtime to get some to eat. He comes in with his girl, you know, and tells everybody who he is, and, and I just, I was at that age where I just like, I don't care who you are, I don't know you, you know, I'm not here to be entertained. I'm here, and I mean, my life's on the line every time I go out behind this place. And, I just blew it off. You know, yeah. I didn't take the opportunity to listen to anything he had to say. And then later, a lot of his songs, man, really just touched me deeply. And I was like, God, you know, I had a chance to really meet the guy and I just blew it off. But yeah, he was right in front of my face at the table at the, at the chow hall. And uh, we were in Fallujah. And I was like, what's this guy doing in Fallujah? I mean, I don't need to be entertained. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, need to, I need something to eat. I need to, I need to rack out. You know, I don't need to, this stuff. But Was he the only one that you guys got to see in concert? Yeah, he didn't do a concert. Uh, he just stopped in and just did like a 
it, we it's just a small place we were in. I think he probably went to a bigger location after us oh. and probably did a concert. But it was oh. just a small a POW camp that we were at, held in. How in the world he found that, I have no idea because it was a really small place. But yeah, I remember seeing him come in. I was like, yeah. I didn't care, you know, but I'd love to meet him one day and uh, share that story with him. That's but cool. uh, he's a big, I'm a big fan of his. And he was, he was in the Rangers as well, had got a Ranger tab and all that. But, uh, oh, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a lot of respect for him. He He's one of people that I really want to meet. And uh, do you know, have you ever heard of Edward Graham, Franklin Graham's youngest son? He's not a musician. Edward Graham? Yeah. He's not very well known, uh, unless you know him. No. He... Went to West Point. He and I are the same age, 44, I think. He's 43. And uh, he at West Point, and then while he was in West Point, 9-11 happened. He graduated, and he went and became an uh, officer in the Ranger Regiment and did 16 years in the Ranger Regiment and like eight deployments, combat deployments. And anyway, I think 16 years in, his dad said, hey, I need some help with Samaritan's Purse. Are you interested in helping me? I need somebody to you know, travel these locations. And he said, no. Nah. He said, I'm, I'm made for being in the Army. I don't, I'm going to stay here till they kick me out or I die. And God kept putting little things in his path and speaking to him. And uh, finally, he said he had a conversation with his dad on an airplane. They were flying to Alaska or something other. His dad was a pilot. <laughs> and they were talking about it. And he's like, you know, he gave in. He said, yeah, I just thank God's you know, telling me this time. Because he, he left, he had four years left to get 20 years in to get his retirement. He left before all that. And now he's working for his dad and traveling all over the world doing stuff for Samaritan's Purse. Wow. Uh, but uh, I don't know something about him. I really admire. So Yeah, well, for him to do that, he, he better hurt for God. <laughs> yeah. That would have been some yeah. good right there, man. Sure would have. But they were grooming him to be the general overseeing the regiment. God reveals some stuff to him that yeah, changed his mind on that. But they're doing some the Samaritan's Purse has done some great things in the past and still do it. It's good to see yeah. it. Isn't it just a fly by night thing, staying strong every year. When they ask for a forty thousand dollar jet, they use it to carry supplies to people. They're not just flying themselves, you know, to a island somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. Talking to you. Okay, buddy. Have a good man. See you. Thanks for listening to the Balanced Man Podcast. You can find us on the web at thebalancedmanpodcast.com and on Facebook at The Balanced Man Podcast. 